Bum, 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 bum. It's cold outside, there's no kind of atmosphere, I'm all alone, more or less. Let me fly far away from here. Fun, 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 in the sun, sun, sun. I want to lie, shipped, wrecked, and comatose, drinking fresh mango juice. Goldfish shows nibbling at my toes. Fun, 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 Smeghead. My name is Jeff Shepard. And I'm Daniela Phillips. Thanks very much for joining us once again for Smeghead's The Red Dwarf Podcast. Podcast. Daniela, did you forget what we're doing again? No, I just wanted to come in at the end. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> this is episode six of series seven. Can you believe we've got this far through no, it without I killing can't, ourselves? I can't believe it. I'm surprised because we're on like the second floor of Post Pop HQ. I'm surprised we haven't jumped off. <laughs> we it wouldn't tempted. kill us though, so you know. We'd have to crawl up again and do it again. Yeah, to just do some sort of injury that would yeah. cause us a lot of pain. So, yeah. I think if we ate all of the snacks that are in front of us right now, we would possibly die. Yeah, to be fair, we haven't been snacking that much. No. We're pretty good. I'm going to open up these juicy strawberries. No, it's just going to make chewing sounds on the mic. Um, yeah, but so far, what, what's your kind of view of Series 7 so far, the ones we've done? Uh, not so bad. Not yeah. so bad, yeah. If you could rate the series so far out of 10, what would you give it? Mm, five? Yeah, same as me. Yeah. It's, it's not as bad as I thought. Yeah. Not as... But maybe slightly better. I thought this would be an absolute dire series, but there have been some shining moments yes. in a couple of episodes. and I think this is one of them. I agree, this is one of the better ones of this series, for sure. Yeah. Um, and what we're doing today is Beyond a Joke, uh, which is the sixth episode of Series 7. And uh, it's uh, it's one that I thought you would like when I was watching. I was yeah. like, oh, Daniela's going to yeah, like this one. Yeah, I like this one. Jane Austen yeah. world. Yeah, tick. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, um, my favourite types of Red Dwarf episodes are... There's, there's actually two types. I like the ones where it's, where it's Rimmer and Lister talking. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Then I like the ones where they're going on an ad- ad- adventure. Not fighting aliens or anything, but like a, a quite subtle adventure where they explore aspects of themselves. And this is this is kind of like that. Yeah, I guess, guess so. Um, <laughs> so what we have, how this episode starts is... Um, and we have laughter in this episode, which yes. always helps. I'm glad you kept no- note of that. because Yeah, oh yeah, my, my great notes. Yeah, because yeah. if you're watching this on DVD, you won't get the benefit of the slapdash approach that Netflix has, has taken in um, encoding <laughs> this to their, to their network. Who knows who... Why do they pick a laughter trap for some episodes and... Uh, They've obviously got a worky doing it. Yeah, but sometimes the descriptions of the episodes too are just awful. Like, oh, in cross Netflix in general. Yeah, what's up with that? They're such a big company. They can I afford do, it. I inter- would do that as a job. Like watch yeah. everything on Netflix and then write a summary. Well, Would that be an amazing job? Well, I watch everything on Netflix and I'm not getting paid for it. 
Yeah, more be. for you. Yeah, that's true. Um, so this episode is quite an interesting one. Um, so I don't know if you know any of the background behind it, but this no, episode tell was, me more. <laughs> it was going to be one with not very much crying in it because Robert Llewellyn was, he hates the fact that he, he has to be up four hours before everyone else or probably more and have to get into makeup. Okay. It must be an absolute hassle to get I'm to I'm sure he's that. paid adequately for it. Yeah, but he's probably paid the same as everyone else, yet he's doing much more, it's okay. more the drain on his okay. life. Um, so they're going to have less crying in this and um, Doug Naylor offered a, a him to co-write this episode. I was going to say, they've gone completely the opposite direction. Yeah. It's a very Crichton-centric. Very Crichton-centric. And Robert Llewellyn is one, is a co-writer on this episode. Oh, interesting. And it's the only time where a member of the cast has co-written an episode with Doug Naylor. This is the interesting. one. Interesting. Yeah, okay. very interesting. Well, well, well done, Robert Llewellyn. Yeah, and I we like can it. talk about how you think that's affected the plot as we go along. Um so um in this episode it's um it's one of those episodes that very star trek in in kind of uh concept where it's uh, a ship they're in their ship they come across another ship they go onto the ship to kind of raid it for resources um this ship's called ss centauri um and what Crichton finds upon that are the supplies that he needs which is some live lobsters which are in stasis so again this was like three million plus years in the past so these lobsters were first put in there he's found them luckily in stasis imagine that ability yeah to have food that doesn't go off yeah in the future yeah amazing you, you never you don't need refrigerators yeah. anymore yeah. world hunger would end right that can only be a good thing I'm just trying to think. Would would world hunger end if you could if things didn't go to waste? I would assume there must be. I mean, going by just by how much I throw away could feed like a small country. Why are you throwing it away? Because I'm terrible. Actually, when we ate earlier on today, you this is going to sound like we eat together all the time. <laughs> um, you didn't eat half of the food. My breakfast. Yeah. I ate my lunch. Okay. I just didn't eat all of my breakfast. Why? So, no, I'm not a massive breakfast person. I don't okay. eat breakfast generally as a rule, so I can't eat a lot. Okay. Um, so if this scenario was uh, in, in the Red Dwarf universe, you could have just stuck that into stasis and at some later point you could have finished it or be fresh as the day you were? Absolutely. Uh... But I'm, I'm with Lister. I don't like to eat cartoon animals. What you no. mean, lobsters like um, Sebastian from? No, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't. He's he a lobster, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Because he says that he doesn't want to eat any weevils or rabbits, cats, dogs, mice. I'm, I'm with him there. I don't think I'd want to eat those things. He's, he doesn't want to eat space weevils in particular because he's, he's tried a space weevil before and they're the most disgusting. He doesn't looking. eat anything scuttling around. <laughs> yeah, just that word scuttle. I love the word scuttle. No, but you don't want to eat some that scuttles. Nope. The scutters. We haven't seen the scutters in a while. Um, so yeah. So Crichton has his priorities, which are to get the uh, live lobsters out stasis. Um, and the reason why he wants those live lobsters is because it's the anniversary. Yeah. Anniversary of the time of the day that Lister rescued him from the Nova Five and brought him aboard Red Dwarf, which was uh, series two of Red Dwarf, the episode Crichton. Um, now. I wonder if they've celebrated this the whole time, like, since every year on that and day. And we just haven't seen those episodes. Yeah, because maybe it hasn't been as important, or maybe they haven't found lobsters until now. Or maybe it's a special anniversary, like the 50th year or something. Well, it's been it's been hundreds and thousands of years since then, because in Series 6 it was in stasis for a couple of hundred years. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah so uh, Lister is very worried that this is going to be Space Weevil again even though it does look like Lobster um, but um, there are other things on the Centauri as well because um, we have Kachansky who is a a woman who likes the finer things in life she's not the Christine Kachansky we know and love Claire Grogan she who the she wouldn't get with Lister if uh, she liked the finer things in life but this Kachansky apparently does um, and she wants to introduce some culture to the ship she wants to introduce some of her loves and interests and maybe just maybe they will start to like the things she loves too and then she can kind of live comfortably aboard Red Dwarf yeah. not having to hide the references that she that she knows so she finds uh, an artificial reality game uh, which is uh, Pride and Prejudice Land which um, which is part of the Jane Austen world, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I would definitely visit. Would you visit? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I just think I get bored. I get bored if I go out of London for five minutes. I just always my first thing if I if I go out of London, I'm like how is anyone else surviving outside London? Because London, as you know, is the greatest city on earth. If I if I if I even go towards Milton Keynes, I'm just like how are people surviving outside London? What are you doing? What are you doing? Like how do how do things work? Does do you have do you actually have internet? Do you have to wind a generator every morning? I'm not as bad as that. I can leave London happily. Like there's other places that I like more. Who is that? New York. New York's good because it's basically an American London. <laughs> it's just an American version of London. Um, but yeah, like um, I'd find it hard in the countryside because I get bored. See, I was grew up in the countryside, so okay. I'm used to that. Sort but of. you moved to London. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For work. Okay. Um, that's the thing. You've got stuff to do. There's stuff as work here in the countryside. What are you going to do? Just walk around in cow pats and eat grass. <laughs> I think we do a little bit more than that. You can live in the countryside and commute into London as you well. You have to. Yeah. Just, just have something to do or see electricity. But there's um, there's a lot uh, that you, that these guys could do because their culture is at a, an absolute low point. I mean, they probably the best thing that they kind of find um, or the most cultural thing that they do is is flicking through like porn magazines or something um so she introduces uh, pride and prejudice land so they get dressed up in the kind of garbs of the of the time so did you notice which characters they were dressed as well i can guess okay oh from pride and prejudice yes oh i don't know ah uh, see i could tell by looking at them okay so give it to me cat was dressed as wickham Okay. And Lister was dressed as Mr. Collins, <laughs> which is quite funny. Uh, okay. Because, um, which kind of, well, is it like, so Mr. Wickham's like the the player, the man about town, you know, uh, having a fair, the womanizer, ladies' man. Mr. Good Co- casting. Mr. Collins is the cousin of the Bennets, who's like a... a a clergyman yeah. and he's a bit awkward and he's con- con- like trying to, to marry one of the yeah. sisters, but yeah. nobody wants him. Ah, so interesting. Um, and the whole time is obviously because Kashansky's scuppered Crichton's plan for this lovely uh, lobster meal, which has been cooking for two, to two days, so he's peeved off. Um, and this is what makes the episode for me. Yeah. I think Crichton is hilarious he in is. this, well, trying to take them out. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come into that. We'll come into that in a second. Um, so they arrive in this world, and the first thing they see are the Bennett sisters. Now, Cat is like, wow, we they're just hot. He, like, is, he likes a bonnet. Yeah. Thing is, right, you say, okay, example, you see the script, you say, you see Kat say in, in the dialogue, wow, these are some hot tamales or whatever. Who are you going to cast? You, right, so you've got the Bennett sisters. 
they have to be hot women. You're the casting agent. Do you ca- cast hot women like the cast, like the um, well, script calls for it? Or do you cast plain Janes? Plain Janes, because the Bennett sisters are not supposed to be the most attractive women. One uh, of the sisters is supposed to be Jane, but the rest yeah. may be Lydia. The rest are supposed to be very plain and ordinary. Okay, I'm glad you're here to, to educate me. <laughs> you're basically the Chloe in there of this educated me, even though I had to read it in school. Um, okay. So they're not meant to be, but I guess cats, no. not too fast, is he? No. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, he's okay. Ne- he's never demonstrated any. Yeah. <laughs> like, fast. I was like, they're quite attractive, but they're not yeah. like stunning. Yeah. Like, it's a cat, which which is true to form, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've got these sisters who are very kind of giggly, and again, it doesn't look like they've been around men too much either. And they're obviously like like every kind of Jane Austen novel or any novel around that time. Um, these girls are desperate to get married, and they they only see value in themselves when they're connected to a guy, um, which I feel like. Or again, I have to step in there because okay, I think that's it. where the Bennett sisters, particularly particularly Lizzie doesn't she's very she's very feminist very strong-willed and she wants to marry for love not just being forced into it yeah exactly okay interesting keep keep all this up because i'm I'm interested to see if they stick a stick with the the actual plot line okay because i can't remember pride and precious very much i've seen about 15 adaptations of it (laughs) but like i'm just if kira knightley's not i'm not not interested that's a good adaptation though yeah it is isn't it yeah she's in another adaptation, a period drama that's coming out soon called Colette. Have you oh, seen that advertised? No, I haven't. Yeah. She's wearing like a bonnet and a bustier or something. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they, so they go to this world and uh, um, Chloe and is teaching them just the, the sophisticated kind of life and uh, she finds Pride and Prejudice is, is the epitome of, of this life. And... In the meantime, you've got Crichton, who is uh, just so angry at the fact that he's been slaving over this hot lobster for days uh, to celebrate um, basically his birth into the TV show. And no one cares. No one cares. So he slowly becomes so resentful towards Kachansky, towards the guys. He's taking drastic measures. And uh, he essentially wants to kill all of the Bennett sisters. <laughs> yes. And he thinks this is the only way to get them out <laughs> of the um, artificial reality program. Crichton, how about just pressing off? How about taking the helmets off their heads? I guess this heads? is more fun. I guess it releases some of the frustration that's pent up inside him. Yeah, and this is one of the kind of plot points. The the frustrations that pent up inside him affect him yeah, exactly. in, in quite, quite a big way. So um, we have uh, this kind of first quick journey into Pride and Prejudice Land where Crichton amps up the kind of craziness um, and he effectively goes very very extreme starts shooting him with a tank yeah so he takes out um, Lizzie and Jane I first of all that's good that you know names. I don't know what, what order they've done them in all the names <laughs> how do you know which ones they are did they because say they're, they're all, they've all got very distinctive personalities and characters so you can tell okay. which ones are which so yeah. he takes out Lizzie and Jane to start with and then he tries to take out a third sister I can't remember which one from the top of my head I think it might have been Kitty okay um, I yeah can't it was rec- Kitty yeah sure can't yeah, remember. It was Kitty. <laughs> um, and then fails but then goes into another game gets a tank comes back yeah like a World War 2 amazing scene yeah. they're sitting great. in the gazebo having afternoon tea and then <laughs> he's coming up with a tank 
it's so good. See, I love Red Dwarf when it's like when it's playful. Where and I think the idea of going being able to go into other games and, and getting things out of those games is so interesting to me. Um, so he destroy he blows up this gazebo um, by saying like like supper's ready basically. So they they're finally back on Starbug and they are just they're quite nervous around crane he seems to be absolute back smeg crazy now and they're I like could sympathize yeah and they also think this is space weevil this is he's so mental this is most likely space weevil um but they don't want to do anything to kind of make him switch because he could actually murder them like he murdered like a lot of the ships he's been on like he murdered the crew yeah i guess we forget about <laughs> he's psychotic but i think breaking his programming helps a little bit he can make he has some morals um but then <laughs> but then Lister does the unthinkable and we discussed this I can't remember if we discussed this on Mike he um he requests brown sauce to go yes, lobster yes yeah we discussed this on, on Mike we just did. a second ago yeah, didn't we? yeah yeah whether to put sauces in the fridge or not <laughs> yeah and that's probably something that would kind of pee off uh, quite in. guys out there like do you put your sauces in the fridge because like some things I can kind of understand but you've got to have mayonnaise in the fr- if you don't put mayonnaise in the fridge you're going to die young you're going to die young um, and you only have yourself to blame for being silly, I think. Oh, public service announcement. Yeah. Are you a fan of lobster, by the way? I do like lobster, yes. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I I'm like all crustaceans. Yeah. Covered in garlic. And things I always think, is it the garlic sauce I like or is it the actual lobster? Oh, yeah, the burgery, the buttery sort of. Oh, lovely. You're making me want lobster now. Lovely. Because now, cause we've got, this is a big announcement now, Daniela is now a pescatarian. I am. So that's good. Welcome to the club. Hi. Um, yeah. Did I get a badge? Yeah. Did your membership card come through? Not yet. Yeah, okay. Not yet. You've got to do your, your speech to, to the rest of us pescatarians okay. at the next conference. I'm going to do it dressed as a mermaid. That's I had to do that. So you have to do it, do it too. Um, yeah. So like, um, I'm st- I, di- I didn't really understand why the lobster took two days to, to kind of cook. What was he doing? You throw it into boiling water. Slow boiling it, I imagine. But you don't. T- in, in order to be tender, you don't actually need it to do that slow boil. No, Maybe it's better if it no. is like that. But like you know, when you go to like burger and lobster, yeah. Um, you point to a. You can point to a big lobster and then cook it, and it's ready. In I 20 never minutes. do that because I have the twenty quid lobster. Oh, uh, okay. When uh, uh, like the t- only times I've been there is when other people have taken me for trying to persuade me to do jobs for them or something and they go yeah you can take me to burger lobster and i'll have the biggest lobster please <laughs> um cheeky well yeah it's the least they could do for my time um so yeah brown sauce and lobster mm, i'm with Crichton on this one you say that but then i was thinking i actually really love brown sauce and it would probably go quite well for lobster even with the garlic and the butter all over it i'm not sure i don't know Okay. We'll have to test it out. So we have to test it. Yeah, yeah. There was something else we had to test out as well. I can't remember. Yeah, that can be. Do you remember that episode? Like, was it series two where I <laughs> yes. had a triple egg chili chutney sauce yes, I um, sandwich? I missed that. That was really good. Oh, when we had a pot noodle. Yeah, we never do feed challenges anymore. No, good job. No, that was good. But it was only mostly me doing. Do you remember when you were meant to eat a whole? A whole uh, spoonful of coffee. No, because I said no, and you were like, "Yeah, you're gonna do it. You can do it." I never agreed to it. I was just like, "No, I'm not doing it." You, uh, people remind me, like on Twitter, why Danielle had to eat a spoonful of coffee. I'm sure she had to. Oh, it was uh, Gunman of the Apocalypse where Crichton was eating coffee, and you said something, and I was like, "Okay, I challenge you." And I was like, "No." 
I, he's I, not trying to make it happen. He, no, I think you can get peer pressured into it. Um, so they are out of the game and they are um, haste not hastily they are very carefully eating this lobster um otherwise Crichton will go crazy on them uh, but then this episode actually packs quite a lot into it for once the other ones were yeah, quite light yeah. but this one's got a lot going into it so uh, let's start after the brown sauce and Crichton goes berserk and bl- his head blows off and they're like oh god so they get the spare head which is what they're for sticks that on and that blows up as well and now they're out of heads <laughs> and um that should really kind of be it. That should be quite dead. But luckily, on the Centauri, which seems to be an everlasting pot of everything we yeah, ever need, yeah. which is crazy. Um, it's they, like their fridge. Yeah. So Lista thinks, oh, let's go into the Centauri again, because that's going to be there. Uh, actually, they don't need a fridge because they've got stasis, remember? Um, so they go into the, onto the Centauri. Um, but unfortunately, on the Centauri, there is a simulant on there. We haven't seen the simulants in a while. No. And the simulant um, captain's on there. He's looking a little bit sus. And uh, is also, he is there with a Kinotawari guy. He doesn't like them in the first place. Um, and uh, basically, they have to do a trade in order to uh, get the spare Crichton heads. Um, but it's hard because do you ever really want to trust a simulant? Because you, no, even the simulant which is test, what they say. Yeah, yeah, don't trust the simulant. Never trust a simulant. Um, so they basically have uh, to, to make the trade. Otherwise, they're never going to get Crichton back again. And I wonder. I thought Crichton's memories and his kind of like soul is in his head because in the in the first ticket to ride, when his head was removed, everything that was Crichton was in that head. Not in the yeah, body. Yeah, there was some sort of chip, wasn't there? Yeah. Mm. So, um, basically, um, there's a scenario where they have to, in order to kind of do this, they have to dress up like the Kinitawari again. And they look like the Kinitawari from Emo Hawk, Body yeah, 2. Yeah, it's not not great. Yeah, in order to do the trade, because simulants hate humans. Um, unfortunately, Cat uh, kind of gives the game away a little bit yeah. by talking in English and... Uh, it kind of I think they're simulating kind of twigs yeah um, but to be honest how are they going to do it otherwise yeah because they're true. just talking gibberish but I tell you what they're dis- they are masters of disguise that was a good costume that, that looked as really? do you not think mm, not not no I suppose based on their other costumes of like turning upside down and putting Crichton's eye on the chin oh, that, that wasn't was too best. bad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Bindi Barchi people. There's a lot, to, a lot to love about this episode. And yeah, I think the I, I really dressing up as Kinitawai was quite good because it's quite good to see. I think this is where um, Chloe Annette came into her own a little bit because I think she was pretty, pretty good <laughs> doing that <laughs> of um, of the Kinitawai tribe, um, which is a, a Gelf. Um, and yeah, they do the trade, but you can obviously tell that the simulant knows something's up here. Yeah. Um, but when they go back, they realise that the uh, Starbuck has been ransacked and Crichton's body has been stolen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. They nicked him. They should have known that they were tricked in the first place. Um, and because the Centauri is much, much, much faster than Starbuck, they're just screwed, basically. Um, but, um, but they have Crichton um, on board the Centauri now. So you see interaction between Crichton with his new head, um on the Centauri and luckily for him he has a friend there Abe part of the uh, Mechanoid 4000 series so he has someone to talk to effectively his um, brother 
and his brother is serious. And brother. I quite enjoyed finding out like the origins of the like the backstory of like why they were created, how they were created. Yeah, but you don't find that till near the end, right? Yeah, but I, yeah. I enjoyed that. So I quite like the interaction between the two, Christ and Enable. I, I like yeah. it because you could kind of think, you why find is this stuff out? There's actually a point to it. Yeah, like because. Because Abel isn't exactly um, switched on. He's addicted to a substance called... What's the substance called? Oh, Altrozone, uh, which is a drug that kind of uh, effectively is escapism and lets him not think about, like, the kind of... his life and the, the... just a terrible thing that is in his head because he knows the truth about how, why he was created. Um... So he, so Abe is addicted to Altrozone, which is something that the simulant captain is the only one who can provide it for him. So he's kind of like stuck there, um, and he gets just abused royally from the simulant captain. Um, but basically, uh, the crew and Starbuck, what they have to do is, because uh, they can't catch up, they convince um, the simulant captain that they put a bomb on Centauri, which is quite... This qu- is really clever. It is quite clever, yeah. isn't it? So they convince him that there's a bomb on there, and they, they, they kind of try and call his they try and call his bluff, but he really does believe there's a bomb on there. So he transports himself, Abel and Crichton and the Gelf, all back onto Starbug, um, and then gives gives Lister a chance to kind of try and fix things. So um, Lister basically tries to tries to get Crichton back, but then the simulant tells Crichton how to access this hidden away file in his memory, and this hidden away file tells the truth. And what's the truth, Daniela? So the creator was jilted by a lover, and yeah. uh, creates the sort of the image. Of um, in sort of so though the the uh, mechanoid is created in his image. Yeah. So Professor Mamet, who we've seen before, played by Jenny Agatha, um, is Professor Mamet, and she had uh, a terrible, terrible relationship in the past uh, with someone called John Warburton, War- War and she decided to make Crichton after him. All of his bad points, all of his kind of uh, bad emotions, are kind of projected into this. So it's almost like this is her. This is beyond a joke. This is her joke. This parody of someone that she hates. Yeah. Um, and it's sad, really. Yeah. Like, you'd think she'd be a bit more switched on. And she seemed, like, quite cool with uh, Crichton in the... Um, in I Polymorph. guess maybe she got over it in time. You'd, you'd think so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so this this is... Crichton can't believe that this fact and that he is essentially an abomination and is, is a joke, uh, which is where the title... Or well, one of the reasons why it's called Beyond a Joke, I guess. Um, and yeah, it just became, makes him very, very depressed. And now he can realise why Abe turns to drugs because Abe can't deal with this fact either. No. But I don't know because Abe has Abe broke his programming. Why would Abe care? Abe must have broke his programming as well. Um, and whereas this episode was well, meant to be, he's a different model as well. No, he's a Mechanoid Four Thousand. It's isn't a Four Thousand. Yeah. yeah, even though it's just got green. It's got gr- okay. Yeah, also played by um, Robert Llewellyn. So for an episode where he wasn't meant to be in it very much, he's in it more than ever before. Yeah, double. Yeah, <laughs> and like it's one of the things of Red Dwarf, like an episode full of Rimmers, an episode full of cats, an episode full of Crichtons, and this is one that's got more than one Crichton. Um, and yeah, and, and both their spirits are now broken. And But in this kind of medley of uh, new information that's coming out, um, the, the Gelf gets killed, which um, and like they manage to knock out the, the captain, the simulant captain, um, and um, transport them back to the Centauri. 
um, which is great because that means they've got their Crichton back. Um, and it's, but if you think about it, it's not their Crichton because it's got a different head now. That um, um, that Crichton or any mechanoid has is stored on this um, kind of Mega Drive, not to be confused with the Sega Mega Drive, which was one of the most outstanding systems from the uh, early 90s. And um, basically, this is what's blowing up. This is what's causing Crichton's head to explode and what's causing any kind of trauma that happens to a mechanoid. It builds up on this Mega Drive. Um, and you just know that this is going to be used further down the line in order to, to kind of combat something. Um, when they've got when they've got uh, the simulant on the finally on the Centauri, they go, Starbuck goes into um, well they basically they do the classic space trick of hiding in an asteroid belt. Yeah. Um, and I feel like um, it, if it works, it works. But I feel like going to an asteroid belt is only going to be the most dangerous thing you can possibly do because it's in the name. There's asteroids there. Yeah, there's things that are going to hit you. Um, one second. Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Stop screen. Hello, hello, yeah, hello. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so things that will hit you if you're in the asteroid belt. So it's not a very great place to have. But they also do silent running, so they're not... Um, they're not kind of like engines full pelt on there um but unfortunately abel who is a bit of an idiot um <laughs> oh it's a bit unfair he's just a green idiot isn't he he kind of gives the game away he can he he kind of reveals accidentally uh, their position um and therefore um uh, the centauri starts attacking starbug again and basically the ss centauri is incredibly much more kitted out than Starbug ever was. So Starbug is basically going to lose this battle unless they, yeah. they do something. It's not looking good for them. Yeah, and because Abel is at fault, Abel decides to kind of uh, be, be the bigger man, be the bigger be droid. Be the hero. Yeah, and he gets into an escape pod and he basically goes off by himself to attack the Centauri, knowing that it's, it's going to face certain death. Um, so his plan is to use the Nega Drive yeah. to... Um, basically blow up because we all know that they're explosive if any kind of um, negative emotion is contributed yeah, to it got, and it's got all of Crichton's negativity uh, so. exactly exactly a real thought why don't they just delete the negativity and start again I don't work? know I don't know can you do that like if a normal drive's full right you just yeah. delete it and you start again yeah why, the, why can't they just delete the negative feelings on the nega drive I've no idea it's like a system flaw anyway um, so basically they use nega drive to um go towards the um, the Centauri and um, the Centauri basically explodes because the um, um, the Nega Drive is essentially explosive um, what do you think of this kind of moment of do you think it's a cheap kind of cop out that Abel is the one to kind of no I don't think so would have been, wouldn't it have been better if Abel hung around so Crichton had a mate to speak so yeah, to yeah so get rid of Kuchansky instead get her to do that's true get, get Kuchansky to do that thing that they're doing um, in The Last Jedi where do you have you seen The Last Jedi yeah I have yeah. where she just drives yeah. kamikaze straight through yeah. the uh, fleet of uh, the, the, the um, uh, Empire um yeah, so he basically does that. He 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 gets rid of his he commits suicide essentially. Kamikazes, um, and his escape pod just just smashes into a nearby moon, uh, and he's beyond repair. He he he's not going to kind of make it. Um, but when Crichton retrieves his body after this massive sacrifice, he finally considers Abel as as a brother. Yeah, as a, it's uh, nice. Which is a nice touching thing. But again, it's a mechanoid. It doesn't really matter. Um, 
so yeah, so and then the kind of codas to this episode is that um, they're all suddenly back in Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, well, no, it's not Pride and Prejudice land. It's Curry World. Yes. Crichton's built Curry yeah, World with Pride and Prejudice characters. Yeah. The thing is, if if Crichton could make new AR games the whole time, why hasn't he been doing this? Because mm. they had to go get Pride and Prejudice from from the other ship. Yeah, couldn't he have made it? Or maybe his limited knowledge wouldn't have let him. Yeah, maybe do he didn't realise until because he went to get the tank, didn't he first? Yeah. And then he crossed over. So now he knows that things can cross yeah, over into games. Maybe they didn't know that before. Yeah. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on that one. Yeah, because I think he must have felt bad about killing these Bennett sisters in various various ways. So he manages to bring them over into the, his curry world, and they um, can sample the delights of a, of a Vindaloo curry with uh, the crew. But of Red something's Wolf. gone wrong. Something's gone wrong because there must be a. It said there's Glitch, a bug in the, yeah. in the program, and the uh, the curry they have is a bit too hot. Um, so fire starts coming out of uh, Lister's mouth. Yeah, which is terrible. And see, terrible <laughs> way. <laughs> it wasn't really needed. No, that last scene. But well, well you know, they actually added that fine. scene in quite late because. Um, it would have, they wanted it to end kind of with um, the sacrifice of Abel, but they just didn't think it was a good ending, so they added this little coda on to, to do Something it. what I've noticed about Red Dwarf episodes, and I've talked about this before, yeah. is that there is lots of episodes where they drag stuff out, and then suddenly you're, you're thinking, how's this going to end? There's like three minutes, and yeah. then loads of stuff happened in the last three minutes. This series, I think it's completely different. <laughs> okay. I think like they run out of ideas and they try and pad it out a yeah. bit. So I think like they haven't got the balance right, have they? Well, I think Doug Neal has come to terms with him not having his writing partner anymore, having to like ask other people to do it. Like Robert Llewellyn, can you help me with your script? Um, and it just yeah, when you ask a friend to do your homework. For yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't think this episode ends well but I think there's enough in this episode yeah. for me to like yeah I do I do agree yeah and um, I mean there's a, there's, a, there's a history in Red Dwarf of, of going back to kind of historical um, literary characters like you, you see in Meltdown and, and things like that so it was, it, it was quite interesting to see this kind of version when they can interact with them um, in an AR machine um, it kind of just makes me think when I'm watching this like okay so now the AR machine's part of the Red Dwarf life why aren't they using this all the time if they can bring things out of of, of these machines why don't they just do that all the time in, yeah, I don't have an answer for you. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so uh, this is the last time that we see um, simulants until uh, uh, briefly when they bring back Red Dwarf for, for series 10. Okay. Um, and uh, we get a few mentions of things in past Red Dwarfs. We get to hear about uh, green wine, which is most likely the urine recyc wine. Oh, I, was, I just thought it was like green wine, like Portuguese wine or something. Is Portuguese wine green? Yeah. Wonder why. Sometimes, yeah. Well, I mean, they must be using white grapes, but how do they make it green? It's not so much a strong green colour, but they, you know, I mean, they call it vino verde. Oh, green wine, okay. green wine. So I kind of, I sort of glamorised it a bit. I it sort of man- imagined it like that. It's probably white, but just maybe a it's green bottle. It's got a little bit of a green tinge to yeah. it. Yeah, okay. that can be kind of cool. Um, and yeah, I think so, again the special effects in this um, were a little bit left to be desired. All the stuff with the escape pod crashing on the oh, planet. I didn't and stuff. mind it. Yeah, it was alright. I, right. I mean, this is Red Dwarf. I'm not expecting Hollywood style it's big true. budget. That is true. Um, but I did like all the Pride and Prejudice stuff. I thought well, that was I really did. beautifully shot. 
shot. Yeah. Um, we've got some. We've got a, a few kind of uh, new cast in here, obviously, because there's quite a lot of characters in here. There was no one too, too, too big. There's no, there's no one in here that I kind of thought, wow, I can't believe yeah. that they're in it. Yeah. Um, they seem to be very kind of uh, new actors in it um yeah and i think this episode is, in general is another kind of tick for series seven yeah um, yeah i'd agree i enjoyed it um but there's i wouldn't say if you compare it to any episode from from the previous six seasons it doesn't really stand up as as an absolute classic not a classic but i still think it's a good episode yeah exactly um so yeah that's it for now if you enjoyed the episode um or didn't enjoy it as much as we did then please let us know on the usual uh, social networks you can find daniela on twitter at daniela with one l phillips and myself at jed shepherd j-e-d-s-h-e-p-h-e-r-d let us know what you think let us know um what you think of series seven as a whole if you agree with us what if you disagree with us, us. <laughs> no it's probably best that guy's gonna just send you dick pics again um and yeah and that just leaves me to say i'll see you later next week no, that's not that's not what i usually say what do we say i've no idea bye see you later smokeheads bye see you later next week that makes no sense bye, bye.